Hello everyone and welcome back to Views Our Own and another episode of New Voices where we talk to journalists about their work and experiences in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Misha. Hi there. And today we are talking to Alex Morland. Alex is a freelance writer and television critic with bylines in such publications as Yahoo, Metro UK and Radio Times, known for his insightful views into all the contemporary TV shows and his very strong opinions on Doctor Who. Alex, it's an absolute pleasure having you here. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So to kick this off, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, how you eventually got yourself onto the path you're on and what made you want to be a journalist? So it was an accident, essentially. So in 2013, I started a blog and I was writing about TV and things and reviews to my audience of tens. In 2015, October, November, December kind of time, the end of the year, I got an email from Yahoo, from an editor at Yahoo, um, Verity Nelson, and they were, it was kind of a new scheme that they were introducing, I think essentially get more content for their site, which was to syndicate different blogs. So the idea was that my kind of stuff, reviews, whatever, would appear on my website and on Yahoo at the same time. After about six months or so, they sort of turned around and said, look, this has been great. Would you like to do this in a more kind of official capacity to be paid to do it, et cetera? And then from kind of May onwards, they started to pay for it, which was nice. Eventually, Verity left Yahoo and then she went to Metro for a while. And again, very kindly asked if I would like to come and join her there. So I started contributing to Metro for a bit. And that's that's kind of the gist of how it began. Just kind of been kicking around ever since. Wow. Well, that was certainly a very happy accident, I guess. Yeah, it, I don't think it offers uh, much in the way of lessons other than uh, be, be very lucky at the right time. Yeah, well, that is a good lesson to have. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Things always work out. Okay, so Alex, in terms of your interviews and your writing, how do you go about finding topics for content and what inspires you to write? I suppose it's just sort of whatever's current, whatever's kind of on television, whatever I'm watching, engaging with, what people are sort of talking about. It sort of has to be that way because kind of the way people talk about and can consume and engage with television is very quick, very transient. If you haven't written about it by sort of the next two or three days, people will have moved on, no one will click on it. So it's, yeah, sort of whatever's going on, whatever I find interesting, not necessarily good i do sometimes kind of watch stuff not in the expectation that i'll enjoy it but that i think it might have a particular angle for discussion i suppose netflix stuff usually yeah that's what inspires me if something kind of seems interesting no that certainly sounds better than just staring aimlessly at the search menu and never being able to find anything to actually watch so well done there you talk about a lot about like writing about television shows what is about tv as a medium specifically that interests you and makes you want to write about as opposed to all other forms of like creative mediums such as film or theater or radio or music or something like that part of it is the i suppose sort of the accessibility of it it's more immediately available to me, obviously, but to people generally. So there's more of a, I suppose, more of a sense of like a communal viewing experience, I guess. 
and also I, I just sort of enjoy kind of serialized storytelling and the way it can kind of build and develop over over a couple of years as opposed to sort of a film where you'll get if, if it's kind of something with sequels you'll get a couple of installments over a couple of years and that's kind of it which you know it's its own art form and I enjoy it in its own way but um, that's kind of why I prefer television for sort of immediacy and accessibility and so on. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So in terms of everything you've done so far, what has been your favourite opportunity or experience that you've got to have because of being a journalist? So about sort of a year or so ago, January 2020, one of the sort of the only things I did all year was I went to the London kind of premiere of the new Star Trek series, which is I'm also very into that as well. So that was exciting. It was very sort of glitzy and glamorous and so on. I looked very out of place. Um, and then the next day I kind of interviewed Patrick Stewart, who's Captain Picard, which was which was good. It was exciting. A lot of the, I suppose, sort of work aspects around that were um, kind of a nuisance in their own ways. It was like a sort of a roundtable interview. But uh, it was just sort of very exciting to sort of sit across from Captain Picard from Star Trek because it's fairly unusual to, or for me at least, to kind of do them in person. Uh, normally they're just just kind of over the phone. So that was pretty cool. I'll admit, I've never seen Patrick Stewart in, in the Star Trek role, but he's a fantastic actor that I've seen in quite a few roles, so I'm definitely envious he's had that opportunity. So we could talk about, you know, your past work as well but in terms of looking forward what are your sort of like journalistic aspirations that you want to go on and do i think i i'd, I'd like to be i suppose sort of more productive kind of busier when i was previously doing that for yahoo it was a like a twice weekly column so i was very busy for that period doing a couple of hundred articles i think in the time that i was sort of with them contracted to do that and I, i've not really been able to maintain anywhere near the same sort of level of output since then which, which is just something i'd like to try and do try and get back to and i think the other thing is i have my own kind of website my own blog where i'll just sort of put things if i can't find a home for them or i can't be bothered to sort of pitch them around or whatever it'd be good if that was kind of financially viable itself like a patreon or something i suppose maybe a, a project for later in the year to try and get that to to work for me somehow that that's kind of the sort of immediate term goal do more work and make more money those so. are probably the goals of a lot of young journalists and I'm sure you will get there as well like it's obviously really difficult but there are also lots of opportunities and it sounds like you've got a really excellent setup already so just to round off this section what advice would you give to young people debating a career in journalism? So I think you need to have kind of healthy cynicism about journalism and about the UK media ecosystem and you need to sort of think consciously regularly about what it is and what you're I suppose sort of important to you in terms of what you're going into and being part of I, I suppose especially if you're writing about television kind of in, in my case where you might kind of think you're divorced from the kind of output of the rest of the paper maybe it's editorials maybe it's the opinion section whatever the way it covers the news who owns it that kind of thing so I think you just sort of especially as you're starting out you need to kind of work out what's sort of important to you what your kind of priorities are 
Thank you so, so much for giving that insight, Alex. And uh, you know, it's fantastic hearing about the work that you've had experience doing. And we want to focus in on that by looking at one of your specific articles. So, when you sent to us was an interview you did for Yahoo Movies with the actor Christopher Eccleston, talking about his role in the TV show The A Word. Do you want to tell us how that came about? Like, we all want to interview Christopher Eccleston. How did you get the opportunity to do it? Um, this one was slightly unusual in the kind of what, what typically happens is I'll approach PR companies, studios, whatever. There's a lot of kind of research that goes into who represents who, what contract addresses are, that kind of thing. This one was set up over Facebook, but I'm in um Facebook group for sort of journalists and PRs. And the PR will say, oh, I've got Chris Frackleston. Does anyone want to interview him? Email me at this email. It's called the Celebrity Interview Club on Facebook. It is specifically for freelancers. It's it's worth joining it, I would say. So yeah, so um Ian, Chris Frackleston's a PR person, sort of said, look, we've got this time coming up. Is anyone interested in this? So I sent him an email saying, um, yes, I would be. And then I sent an email to Yahoo saying, hi, would you like an interview with Chris Strackleston? They said, yes. And that was sort of it. It tends to be kind of le- less formal than you'd necessarily expect. Maybe just because I know editors and PRs now. You, you don't need to overthink it, I suppose, if, if you're looking to kind of get into that and start pursuing things like that. It's fairly intuitive, I guess. Facebook is, we've spoken about this before, actually, Facebook is great at finding opportunities and networking as well. So that's really handy. So before the interview, how was your process in terms of doing your research and preparing for it? So whenever I've got an interview kind of like this, um, I'll always, I go back and I try and read every, well, not every, but sort of most of the interviews that um, sort of the, the individual's done kind of as research. Um which is partially to work out what's already been covered before, so I'm not kind of going over old ground, but also to see if there are any things that are mentioned but that interviewer didn't follow up on. So so maybe I think, oh, that's sort of an interesting line of inquiry that I can kind of pick up on and follow. Sort of an example from this one is in, in a couple of interviews and, and on his social media as well, Chris Frelkston had said, oh, this was one of my four favourite roles. But no one had ever sort of said to him, you know, what what are the other three? So that was um, something I thought would be interesting to ask him. So, yeah, with with this particular interview, there were a couple of sort of stipulations from Christopher Eccleston, kind of via the PR person, which was he, he didn't particularly want to talk about Doctor Who. And he also didn't particularly want to talk about his uh, kind of his mental health because um, he felt that both had been kind of covered a lot in the interviews he'd done for his his autobiography, which had been released, I think, earlier that year sort of around a similar kind of time. And that, that was actually okay, because I don't think I would have been able to ask him questions about Doctor Who without getting even more sort of starstruck, um, which which I was in this case. I'm not usually so much, but he is someone I'm kind of particularly a fan of. So it was a bit more of a, more, more of a moment, I suppose, personally. But yeah, so that's kind of how I approach it in terms of sort of the research. I have a couple of sort of stock questions that I always ask. I always kind of start and finish the same way, like sort of a basic kind of introductory, like how did you get involved with this project? And then a kind of concluding what's 
the most important thing you'd like someone to take away from this because that kind of imposes a shape on the piece a little bit so yeah that's practice and research and so on i mean i imagine i would have just worn him down about questions about his time on antigone so uh kudos on remaining professional <laughs> so tell us about the, the actual interview session itself what was that like what, what was your process of like recording for answers were there questions that you asked that ultimately didn't get into your eventual article how did they work so i'm extremely low tech with with these interviews um i was just on my kind of my mobile phone and i had my laptop next to me with um my notes up in word and audacity to record it i had my phone on a loudspeaker i suspect there is probably a better way of doing it but that has usually worked for the past few years and I was just calling him on his mobile phone as well, which is a, a little bit unusual. Uh, normally they, they'll set up like a conference line, but I guess he didn't mind particularly. I had about half an hour with him, I think. Might have gone slightly over. The kind of the piece sort of as printed is more or less the conversation as we had it just transcribed. Um, I cleared up a few bits where I stuttered and stumbled. So essentially, I just kind of make myself look more professional. Yeah, I mean, that that was, I suppose, kind of an unusual interview in that it was just very simple. And it, it's kind of just a straight transcript on, on the site, on the website that people can read. It's, it's not the most interesting um, process. Hopefully it was interesting to read. No, it's definitely interesting to read. And definitely it's also very good to have those insights into the process. So what was your post-production process like to stay on the kind of process lane almost? So how do you kind of, after, you know, recording the interview and all that, how do you kind of turn it into a text content and how do you get it ready to be published? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, I... Like I kind of just transcribed it and sent it in and, and it was published. If, if you kind of pull back the curtain a bit, it's way less professional than it looks from the outside. There was, I think, about a month between pitching it and it being published. I sort of had the conversation in mid-April, I think, and then it went up on something like the 4th of May, something like that. So that was good. It was a fairly quick turnaround in, in terms of these pieces, which, which they aren't always. That was a fairly relaxed one. Today, I had final confirmation that um, someone I've been been chasing since November and almost had agreed participation from kind of finally formally cancelled, uh, which is frustrating, wow. but happens, I suppose. I've had, if I had, Dev Patel, that fell through once. Rianne Johnson, that fell through. The names that fall through are often more impressive than the names that don't. I think, <laughs> I think that's it. Simultaneously, though, you've had some very impressive names not fall through, and this interview is just one example of that. So to sort of wrap up Thank you. about this article, what was the response? when it got published like did you hear back from Christopher did he read it and what was the response from other readers what they thought of it the PR Ian he, he sort of very kindly sent back an email saying you know th thank you very much they all appreciated the, the piece I also interviewed the writer of the series Peter Bowker that was a very good interview I was I was really pleased with that one personally in terms of like the content and what I sort of got out of him the, the reception was good I was pleased with the reception and I think I was pleased with that interview as well because I think sometimes when I'm sort of doing these interviews especially when they're kind of junkets and they're sort of shorter interviews and I'm like the fifth person they're talking to in a row of six for an hour that you know they get hungry they want to leave I, I do sometimes kind of worry that maybe what I'm doing isn't 
strictly journalism in any meaningful sense or that I'm not making something as it were that has any kind of value on its own terms and I'm essentially just sort of regurgitating a press release or just kind of doing there an extension of the PR outfit and there are you know definitely interviews I've done that are a bit suspect on those grounds but I think this this one with Christopher Eccleston there's some some substance to it there you get kind of a sense of him as a person you get a sense of how he works how he um, kind of treats his role thinks about his roles thinks about acting there's a little bit of stuff about his family which I don't typically ask about but it felt appropriate under the circumstances we were um, sort of in lockdown that kind of thing so yeah I was pleased with that and people have been very very nice about that interview so yeah just overall a very very good experience that is certainly positive to hear. And yes, yeah, so there is definitely substance to it. I'm sure all of our listeners will also find that if they go check out your article after listening to this podcast episode. Thanks for talking to us about your article. But now let's move to our very popular segment, Quick Fire Questions. Are yes. you ready, Alex? I am as ready as I'll ever be, I think. Okay, nothing can prepare you for this. What is your favorite publication i like the niche blog which kind of publishes sort of very very strange niche things it it says it's like a a website for five people they have an article about phoebe bridges and the west wing which i quite enjoyed i also like the sunday which is like cold takes on sort of tv and film those are definitely some great ones to check out if you don't follow those already so alex what did you want to be when you were growing up uh, an astronaut but then I realized that would require some sort of maths degree and lots and lots of sort of exercise so kind of ruled that out on, on two counts. Fair enough those are quite intimidating factors I'd say. Okay if you could live anywhere in the world where would you want to live? Um, I think Berlin maybe. Nice I back that. I sort of like the idea of that seems, seems like a nice place yeah. from what I know about it. It is although this is slightly embarrassing to admit seeing as I'm from Germany and all but I haven't been to Berlin since I was like 15. It is like eight hours away from my house if that helps. <laughs> I haven't been since I was 18 so I'm winning there. Yeah oh god well okay I, if you could invite three people to a dinner party who would they be? I was thinking about this one because I'd listened to to the other sort of podcasts and I thought this was probably the hardest of the quick fire questions i don't know i i can't get further than dave lamb not because i'm particularly interested in dave lamb but i just think that would be quite funny to have dave lamb at a dinner party because he is he's the guy who does the voice for come dine with me um <laughs> so so you know you could sort of join in in real time just want him to there to provide commentary on how the dinner is going yes ex- exactly <laughs> um but yeah i don't know would, would the two of you like to be my other two guests? Sure. Oh, we'd love to. You know what that Excellent. depends on, though? At said uh, come dine with me situation, what would you cook? Oh, God, this question is getting harder and harder. <laughs> um, Sorry for the challenge. We give no mercy. No, I, I did invite that. I did invite that. On on the off chance that, that my, my friends are listening to this, they would be laughing at that because I cannot cook at all. Uh, so perhaps you won't be coming to come dine with me, okay. me and Dave. We, we can order a pizza. Might be best. Okay, fair. Might be best. <laughs> fair enough. And my last one for you is, what are you doing when you're not writing or interviewing? Recently, I've been I've been playing a lot of chess. I, I used to play a lot years ago, and it was okay. I was better than I was better then than I am now. But I've been getting back into it and having fun. Yeah. So that's that's my thing at the minute. 
playing chess. No, playing chess and having fun. Very, very important things to be doing in all predicaments in life. Okay, yes. so to commandeer the rest of the quickfire questions, uh, since your main medium is television, I figure this will be a good one for you. Which is your preferred television format? Binge watching or weekly drops of episodes? Uh, weekly. Ah. Yeah, hands hands down weekly. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not particularly a fan of binge watching things um i i do prefer to you know let it develop over however many weeks it's it's kind of what i was saying a minute ago about like the kind of communal aspect of it it's easier to kind of talk to people about it and engage on that level if you're all watching at the same pace which you don't really get with binge watching I mean, I remember when binging wasn't even an option and you would just yeah. wait around, on, around yeah. the sofa for the latest Saturday night TV shows. The good old days. Exactly. All these young folk complaining because the show is just dropping weekly. I just look back and feel, God, I'm old. <laughs> Yeah. Well, seeing as I've been in lockdown in Germany, I've not had access. And I've not had anything to watch weekly, so it's been a lot of Netflix for me, to be honest. But that is a wonderful segue to my next question. What are your favourite shows to actually watch then, Alex? You know, reviews and freelancing aside, what are your TV shows of choice? Recently, I've been enjoying um, Superstore, which is a kind of an American sitcom. It's kind of coming to the end now, which I'm very sad about. That's on Netflix at the minute. I've been I've been watching Press Gang, which is Stephen Moffat's the Doctor Who and Sherlock writer. Um, it was his first television show, uh, which he kind of wrote at the sort of tail end of the 1980s and early. 90s and it, it's very good i really enjoy it yeah those, those are kind of the things that have been sort of on, on my watch list recently in terms of other journalists either in this field or in many many others who are journalists and writers whose work you really admire and enjoy going back to in terms of television and film and so on it's it's mostly american writers I think that general sort of quality of writing about television is better in that there's more of a kind of an ecosystem, I guess, and focus on television writing in America. So there's more of them. But I like Alison Herman at The Ringer, Matt Brennan at The LA Times, E. Alex Young at Vulture, and Emily Vanderworth at Vox. No, definitely good names all round. Thank you for shouting those people out. And to ask a very a far more important one that would otherwise be expected on this show, cats or dogs, what's your take on the hot topic issue? I, I've never owned a cat or a dog, but um, my, my friend Adam has a cat, which is very nice, so cats yes see, this, this is evil this is get this is yeah my dog is not happy i mean my dog's not happy what? anyway because she got a tooth removed today but Ooh. she's also not happy about you saying that was it a canine tooth hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> thank you i'm, I'm I, I needed that uh what's what's the sort of cats and dogs total at the minute oh, oh god i think it's like i'm pretty sure it's like six three for cats. No, it's not that we, high. Because we've it's had like a spike of cats the last few episodes. I think cats are two ahead. O overwhelming vote in favour here. Not overwhelming, I'd say. I mean, dogs are... I think No, I'm pretty sure it was just the last, like you and the last episode that said cats, actually. But we, we shall do a recount. Obviously, I will contest it. That seems reasonable. <laughs> 
Okay, but no, uh, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show, talking to us about your process and the fantastic work you've been doing writing about television shows and providing these really interesting insights into how processes such as interviews come about. If our lovely listeners want to find out more about your work and see what sort of stuff you're getting up to, where can they find your stuff? My website is it's just www.alexmorland.com uk. There's lots of nonsense there. My Twitter account is Morland Writer, and my chess.com account is Alex Morland Seven. Uh, if if anyone would like to beat me at a game of chess at any point. <laughs> well, there's certainly quite a few keen chess players. I feel like amongst our audience. So who knows? We so, certainly talked about the Queen's Gambit enough for there to be so. Obviously, we will have all of those links below, so our listeners can find you and connect with you. And of course, we'll also have the links to all the social media platforms that Views Our Own is on. If you've enjoyed this episode and generally love our podcast, as we hope you do, please subscribe, leave us a rating and a review, and tell all your friends about us. We're going to be back on Friday with another episode. Until then, have a good week. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you.